We're continuing in our series on what we believe, and we're in part nine of our series today. And the verse that we're going to be coming out of today is going to form the basis for our thoughts is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 26. And I'll be reading that out of the New American Standard Bible. I ask you to stand. And these are Jesus' words. It reads, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in, the father, in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The word of God, a gift from God. Amen. You may be seated. We're talking this morning from the idea of believing in the Holy Spirit. As you'll remember, we've been using the Apostles' Creed as a template, but we've affirmed that the Creed only has its authority from the fact that it points us back to and affirms what Scripture teaches. And so as we talk about and look at this idea of believing in the Holy Spirit, I want to just start by, by making a very important point. When a person says that they believe in something or someone, they should be clear about what they're actually saying. See, people oftentimes say they believe in something or someone, but what they believe in is actually their own version of something about that object or about that person. So, if a person says, I believe in such and such a thing, but what they believe doesn't line up with the reality of that thing or of that person, then they don't really believe in that. They believe in something else. They believe in their own version or their own thoughts about that object or that person. Does that make sense? 
So what they believe doesn't actually correspond to reality. And we talked about that earlier in this series, that the source of what we believe is important. I'm reminded of an example that my dad used to give. He said if, if, if someone puts down a checkerboard and you put the checkers and you get the board all set up and then all of a sudden the person you know, grabs a checker and on their first move they move two up and one to the right and the other person says, man, what are you doing? And he said, I'm playing checkers. You would tell them, you're playing something, but you're not playing checkers. Because in checkers, <laughs> the rule is that the checker moves one space at a time. Now, those of you that play chess know, when I said two up and to the right, you were thinking of the, 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 the knight in, in a chess game. If I say I believe something because all these pieces look the same, but that thing doesn't, what I believe doesn't line up with the reality, then I don't really believe in the thing that I say I believe in. People say they believe in the Holy Spirit, but they have some interesting ideas about the Holy Spirit. People have some false ideas about the Holy Spirit. Many think that the Holy Spirit is a thing. This mystical, mysterious force is just weird. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, people believe that the Holy Spirit is this mystical force that makes people really emotional. And, and it makes people jump up and down. And it makes people jerk themselves from side to side. And it makes people in church run around the building. And, and it makes people just fall out on their face. And it makes people mumble or speak in this unknown language. And then sometimes they're like, okay, and, and he does do some things like cause people to heal. But people get caught up on the manifestations, whether they're legitimate or illegitimate, of the Spirit. And they have this fear of the Holy Spirit. Either they don't believe in the Holy Spirit or they have this fear that they will quote-unquote catch the Spirit. And they will just lose all control of all their physical and mental faculties. Unfortunately, the church has not done a great job of dispelling the distortions. Nor has Christian television. Quite frankly, the church has propagated it and distorted it all the more. There are pastors and there are programs that distort the Holy Spirit, distort all things charismatic, to the point that the world says, well, yeah, that must be what the Holy Spirit is, must, must be this force, because... When I was watching TBN or Daystar or CBN or whatever it was, you know, that preacher was up there yelling and people was, you know, foaming at the mouth and falling out and running and the music was high and people were shouting, yeah! And, and so the church and Christian television hasn't done a good job of communicating who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And so people are scared or confused about the Holy Spirit or they just fly out saying, you know what, I see all that stuff and that's just foolishness. There's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. That's just them. Now whether, whether we want to believe that or not, whether we like that or not, that's the plain truth. And many of you have watched some things on Christian television and said, 
That there is foolishness. <laughs> that is not the Holy Spirit right there. And the sad thing is, is that the church and different ministers have propagated this and they use this as a tool to manipulate or control people or to benefit themselves. Now, we don't have time this morning to, to dive into all of the manifestations of the Spirit and, and, and all of these other things that, you know, that we could talk about. Our focus today is, what do we mean or what should we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit? And so, with that in mind, we want to walk through three points very quickly. First, we want to look at who the Holy Spirit is. Secondly, we want to look at what the Holy Spirit does. And then thirdly, we want to look at three warnings that Scripture gives us concerning the Holy Spirit that should influence our beliefs as well as how we live. All right, you tracking with me? All right, you've got your outlines. I hope you've got something to write with. We're going to move through this. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a distinct person of the Godhead. See, we communicate and scripture communicates that the Holy Spirit is a person. Part of, and why you don't see it in, I see your hand, uh, while we don't see the Trinity or the Godhead oftentimes in scripture, when throughout the breath of scripture, it communicates that God is one God, but three distinct persons. And the interesting thing is, People will affirm that God is God. God the Father is God. They will affirm that Jesus Christ is God the Son, but it's like the Holy Spirit is not considered a full-fledged member. Again, he's considered this force. And so people just think that. This is this mystical force. He's not an actual person, a distinct identity. But Scripture affirms the idea that the Holy Spirit is a distinct equal, fully divine person of the Godhead and of the truth. I want you to save your question. Don't forget what it is because I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to answer your question later on, okay? Alright. Thomas Oden, in his book on systematic theology, uh, Dr. Oden says that there are certain characteristics that are ascribed, ascribed to the Holy Spirit that could only belong to God. And you have them on your outline there. And he, he lists them and some, some examples of this. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. That the Holy Spirit is omnipresence. That the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. That the Holy Spirit has eternality. That just speaks of personhood. I mean, how can a force, quote unquote force, know everything and be everywhere at the same time? That speaks of intelligent being. And scripture gives us these examples, these characteristics that are ascribed to God that also apply to and are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a distinct person of the Godhead. Secondly, number two, the Holy Spirit is equal to God the Father and God the Son. Again, historically, people have thought, well, no, this is just the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, so it's like it's something that God casts out from himself to go and do stuff and then come back to him. It's like he's, 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 a, he's a, you know, a subordinate spirit that 
God sends out, but that the Holy Spirit's not God. But Scripture affirms the idea that in the Trinity, in the Godhead, there is Father, there is Son, and there is Spirit. And they're all equal. They're all divine. They are all of the same substance. If you look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, you see that the Great Commission was established based upon the Trinity. Jesus in Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 says, it says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. Did I leave something out? The Holy Spirit. The commission is founded on all three. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And long with you always, even until the end of the age. Not only that, but Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, basically says that our chosenness is based upon all three members of the Trinity. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest. It's all three. We, we don't get the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit isn't important. The Holy Spirit isn't equal. But the Holy Spirit is a full-fledged, distinct person within the Godhead. This idea has also been communicated throughout the church historically. And you find that uh, one example of this is in the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechisms in modern English. And, and question six says, uh, how many persons are there in the Godhead? And the answer to this catechism is that there are three persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one God, the same in substance and equal in power and glory. So this same idea, not just in scripture, but has been believed historically throughout the church. So the Holy Spirit, distinct person and equal with the Father and the Son. Secondly, what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do? If you ask people on the streets, I would love to get a video camera and a microphone and just walk around St. Charles County and just videotape and say, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And just ask random people on the streets, what does the Holy Spirit do? And they will all of their answers, I'm sure, will be something they saw in the church uh, that they consider to be kooky or something that they've seen on TV or something that they've heard about someone say. But let's look very quickly at some things that come out of our scripture that tell us what the Holy Spirit does. Letter B, number one. Jesus says in this passage that he helps us keep Jesus' commandments. The Holy Spirit helps us keep Jesus' commandments. In verses 15 through 17 
of John 14, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now, think about this. Jesus came and Jesus didn't come just to die for our sins, just to be resurrected. But Jesus came to reveal the truth, to guide people to truth, to help the people of God in their efforts to, to, to be everything that God wanted them to be. And Jesus said, I've got to go away. Why? Because everything was wrapped up in Jesus being there and those who were with him. But he said, if I go away, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Unlike Jesus, who on earth was one man in one place, who, though he was God, the Bible tells us, did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but, be, you know, subjected himself, became as a man, and you wonder, how is that so? But Jesus decided, I am going to fully identify with man. I mean, just, you know, things like, hey, Jesus, when's the last time? When, when, when is your kingdom coming in its fullness? I don't know. Nobody knows but the Father. If someone were to ask him, but you're God, how do you not know? <laughs> well, right now I'm here and I'm with you and I'm fully identifying with you. There were limits on what could happen with Jesus being here on the earth. But because he returns to the Father and sends the Spirit, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God, the power of God can reside in all of us at the same time without measure through the Spirit. So while Jesus came to save us, to, to redeem us, to teach us, to help us, to guide us into truth, Jesus says, now I'm going away, but I'm sending the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to be a helper to you. And he's not only going to abide with you, but he will be in you. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. He empowers us by abiding in us. And in this verse, he says, the Spirit's going to abide with you forever. I mean, to me, that should signify that the Holy Spirit is, is a person that God had, not just a fourth. He's going to abide with me forever. So he leads us into truth. And that brings up a very important point because we live in a day where society says, if you do your best, your best will be good enough. But you know what? That's not true in every situation and in every case. And we need a helper because God has outlined some things and Jesus has taught us some things. And we discover on a daily basis that apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot live according to what Jesus taught. So the Holy Spirit is coming to help us by empowering us, enabling us to walk in truth. I heard one pastor say, you've been told that if you do your best, your best will always be good enough. He said, who taught us that? Who taught us that? That your best will always be good enough. I'm sorry, I don't care if you're in the gym 24-7, 365. Everybody ain't going to be as fast in the 40 as Usain Bolt. 
You can give your best. Your best won't be good enough to be him. But the world propagates this idea that if you do your best, your best will always be enough. And that's not true in every case and in every situation. And the truth of the matter is that our best is never good enough apart from the Spirit's work to fully obey God. Our best is not enough. So at Jesus' request from the Father, we've been given a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the remedy to the fact that my best and your best is not good enough. Secondly, the Holy Spirit teaches us. In John 14, verse 17, and then in verse 26, we see in verse 17 that Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom I send in my name will teach you all things. Teach you all things. And bring your remembrance all that I said to you. He'll teach you all things. Isn't it interesting that when he says all things, that means all things. So the Holy Spirit's not just trying to teach me about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit wants to teach us about everything. I mean, can you imagine how much wisdom and knowledge Adam and Eve had before the fall? That they literally had to govern the whole planet? So the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to teach us about the things that Jesus said, but the Holy Spirit wants to teach us about creation and about the things in the world, about history, about our purpose, about who we are. Not just what the things that we consider to be church stuff. He says he will teach you all things. All things. Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead, the person of the Godhead who will teach us, abide with us, in us, teach us all things. And then number three, Jesus says that he reminds us of the truth. He reminds us of the truth. Remember back in verse 17, he said the spirit of truth. And that word truth is a Greek word that means, basically it signifies the reality of a thing. You know, truth is based in reality. I said in the beginning, if you believe something about an object or a person, but that's not really true, you might believe it, but that's not reality. The truth lines up with reality, and reality is the way God says it is. That's what's real. That's reality. And he says, he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Let me tell you why remembrance is so important. Remembrance is important because we as human beings have short-term memory issues. I can be rejoicing, thanking God for whatever it is he did for me that day. I had a bill I couldn't pay. He paid it. Praise God. I thought I was going to be evicted. God made a way. Praise God. Car broke down. Didn't know how I was going to get to work. God got me to work. Didn't have money to get the car repair fixed. Somebody blessed me and repaired it for me. God provided money to, to, to get the repair done. God gave me a different car. Praise God. Uh, I remember several years ago when we got the house, we were praising God. Because we went through periods of homelessness. We went through periods of, of living with folks and not having our own space. And it was uncomfortable. And there were some dark days where we were really discouraged. And so God finally blesses with a house. When there were all kinds of things going on in me that was doubting that it was possible. 
And God did that. And I was, man, praise God. And this was great. And you know how long that feeling lasted? About a month. And then things start going wrong in the house. (laughs) Storm came through and we needed a new roof. Plumbing issues, leaking in the basement. And all of a sudden I'm like, praise God, he gave us a house. And then all of a sudden other things started happening in my life that brought discouragement. The great thing about the Holy Spirit is when my short-term memory issues kick in and I'm discouraged, the Holy Spirit brings me not only back to what God has said in the scriptures, but what God has said to me and done for me personally. And God says, you're discouraged, but just look back at what I did. And did you not know how it was going to happen? Weren't you doubting and fearful? Weren't you on pins and needles? Weren't you staying up late crying at night and discouraged? And weren't you putting on a good front for people, but at home in private you were crying, you were saying, Lord, help me? God, make a way. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm about to lose my mind. My family's about to lose their mind. God, help me. And I felt like my world was going to end. It wasn't, but that's how I felt inside. And then God miraculously moved in your situation and mine. And it was powerful. And it was encouraging. And we praised God. And we told people about it. And we were excited. And we were, oh, thank you, God. And then a little while down the road, something else comes. And we have that same mindset. We revert right back. And so it is so important that the Holy Spirit not just teaches us, but that the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance what God has said and what God has done. Praise God for the spirit. Praise God. Praise God. That he not only teaches, but he reminds us of everything that God has done. See, trials will cause us to forget God's faithfulness. Trials can short circuit our faith if we forget who God is and what God has done. And so when we're going through those times, even when we don't see the end, even when we don't see God's deliverance, even when we don't see how God's going to provide, the Holy Spirit reminds us, do you know who you serve? Do you know who you You're crying out and there's this doubt and this fear, but do you realize who your God is? The God who created heaven and earth. The God who went outside and and made some dirt and then formed it and then breathed into it. And that person became a living being. That same God is working on your behalf of mine. And it, it, I love those, 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 uh, those movies where the person is just hysterical. And they're going nuts and the person just smacks them and just, you know, and they say, oh, Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Ooh, okay, thank you. I was I was tripping <laughs> for a minute. The Holy Spirit lovingly reminds us. Don't you remember? <laughs> you know, the singing song, thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Could have been me. Outdoors, with no shoes, no clothes, all alone, without one friend, just another number, with a tragic end. But you didn't see fit. <laughs> 
to let these things be. But every day by your power, you keep on keeping me. Thank you, Lord. And we can look back and see the miraculous things that God has done. And it will stir up in us a courage, a boldness. It will stir up faith in you and me that will cause us to end the next difficult situation that we can't see an answer to. <laughs> we can trust God. And that comes by the work of the Holy Spirit. Finally, letter C. Three warnings that scripture gives us concerning the Holy Spirit. And there's a book that when I first started learning about the Holy Spirit, there was a book that, uh, I can't remember if it was my dad or, or who it was that gave it to me. But there was it's a real small book, but great wisdom. Uh, but Bishop Benjamin Reed, in his book, Glory to the Spirit, talks about the Holy Spirit, the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And there are three warnings at the end of his small book that he says that Scripture gives us. And so I've borrowed those for the message today. Number one, he says, do not quench the Spirit. And that's what 1 Thessalonians 5.19 tells us. It tells us, do not quench the Spirit. Bishop Reed says that to quench the Spirit is to resist the free flow or exercise of the Spirit. To quench the Spirit is to refuse to allow the Spirit the liberty to act freely in the heart and life of the believer. So he says, don't quench the Spirit. Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life and you're like, put on the brakes. He says, no, don't do that. Secondly, he says, do not grieve the Spirit. And Paul gives us that instruction in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Reed says, the Holy Spirit is grieved when Christians live sinfully and in, sinful and inconsistent lives. The Holy Spirit is grieved when outward appearance is more important than inward experience. Since the Spirit desires to abide with us always, he will not leave easily or lightly but will always let us know if our spirits, let us know in our spirits when we grieve or displease him. And then number three, the third warning, he says, do not blaspheme the spirit. And he says that in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. Verse 32, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Reed says, seldom, if ever, do Christians have to worry about this unpardonable sin. I sincerely believe, he says, that this warning is basically for hardened, embittered, and rebellious unbelievers, knowingly attributing the blessed workings and ministry of God to the devil. If you remember that story, Jesus heals, and the Pharisees say, Ah, he cast out a devil by the prince of devils. And Jesus says, Hang on a minute. He said, Jesus goes on to say in one of the Gospels, How can Satan be against Satan? A house divided against itself can't stand. What were they doing? The work of the Holy Spirit was done, and they attributed it to the devil. That's blasphemy. So these three warnings, don't grieve the spirit, don't quench the spirit, don't blaspheme the spirit, serve as reminders, reminders for us, whether we're saved or not saved. If, if, if you're not saved, 
You need to get saved. Your best is not good enough. But God has provided a remedy for it in Jesus. If you are saved, if you do know him, if you are walking with him, don't quench the spirit. When the spirit wants to lead, to direct you to do something, lead you in a direction, don't say, I'm not doing that. Don't harden your heart. And You know, you know, I ever had a child that didn't want to go and, and you were saying, come on. And the child's like, no, no. And you, we've, all, we've all seen that, right? And that's what we look like all the time. Quenching the spirit. But then don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't do things. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Don't be a vessel that has the Spirit of God inside of him or her, but then does all of these things that violate what God teaches and and grieve God's heart. So, when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we need to believe in the full divinity and equality of the Holy Spirit as a member of the Godhead, of the Trinity. He is a distinct person. We need to believe that the Holy Spirit helps us by empowering us to live according to truth. And then that the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us. And then we need to remember the warnings concerning the Holy Spirit. Don't don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't blaspheme the Spirit. But allow the Holy Spirit to live in you. And to have his way in everything. When we say that we believe in the Holy Spirit, that's what we must need. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you that we are not orphans. That you have not left us alone. We thank you, Father, that when you call Jesus to return to heaven, that he asked and that you sent us the Holy Spirit, to abide with us and to reside in us forever. Lord God, help us today to give ourselves completely to the Spirit's leading and work. For the one that doesn't know you, we pray, God, that your Spirit would draw them to you and that by your work in their hearts, they would say yes to you. For those of us who are already Christians, who are already living for you, Lord, help us to to see those areas where we're not fully surrendered and where the Holy Spirit wants to work and wants to do, but we've put the brakes on. And God, just give us a heart to repent, to seek your forgiveness, and to obey fully with the Spirit that we might be transformed and that your will might be done in the earth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.